right, listener, Will, talk to me. You got, you got, a, you got a big, big question here about our last episode a week away. I uh, wanted to know which of the, the main characters in the movie would work at Chick-fil-A, and how would that look? <laughs> Sent well, us a nice photoshopped image. Yes, which I didn't see the image. I didn't get the image from you. I got it from Danny because Will listens to Danny's podcast also, mm-hmm. 70 millimeter, and he's a part of the Discord that they have, and so he posted it there also. And uh, actually, so I actually saw the photo from Danny before you posted it on Twitter. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's so good. <laughs> All right, so what are, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, my first immediate thought is that Presley does not work at Chick-fil-A. She works at Publix. Really? <laughs> yes. She just looks like a Publix girl to me. All right. I'm not sure I agree, but okay. That's my main thought. All right. This may shock you. I have detailed thoughts uh, on all of the main characters here. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I can I can go off of those. <laughs> okay. Avery is a super obnoxious shift leader at age 19. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can you settle down just a little bit? You, you're you in community college. You're one she year out of high school. She does the morning shift, like the 6 a.m. <laughs> we already uh, know she likes to watch the sunrise, so she's, yeah, that. she's the first shift shift leader. <laughs> and there's some older employees there, and she can, you can kind of suspect she kind of gets off on like telling them what to do, and it's like, can you, like, there's like six people above you on the organizational flowchart. Can you just relax just a little bit? <laughs> you are one step up from us. You still have the red shirt on, okay? Mm, mm. <laughs> Takes it way too seriously. Okay. Uh, there's no way in hell that Will works at Chick-fil-A. There's no way. He Where does he work? I'm going to say AutoZone. <laughs> it just seems like it fits for some reason. Yeah. I think that that's probably a great, a great guess. Something. What? I can also see him doing like, um, like a cat, like cash jobs. So he works for somebody regularly, but he gets paid under the table in cash. His uncle has a landscaping business. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's off. He's off the grid <laughs> financially. <laughs> yeah, that that would make sense to me about Will. Yeah, I'm gonna say George started to work at Chick Fil A, and he was so socially awkward. They Annie wasn't an attractive girl, so they hid him on the back line cooking. <laughs> Uh, and I think Do you he, think a lot of attractive girls work at Chick-fil-A? They put them front and center I haven't really it's like, I don't it's like think the Chris... it's the same here in Florida Okay It's I've You know It's the Christian Hooters They they put the The pretty Pretty women out front And then if you're a guy you have to work in the back cooking everything Okay That's, that's the business okay. model Oh, okay. Uh, I think George got hit in the back, and he's just so socially inept. 
I think he quit and was like gone for three days before anybody noticed that he had left. <laughs> okay, he's at Publix with Presley now. I, I, I don't <laughs> bagging know. I don't... groceries. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, I think Presley. She is the girl they put outside under the umbrella in the drive-through line to get people's payment and keep the keep the line moving. Okay. Okay. So it's like, yeah, you you friendly. But you're also kind of weird and maybe not a team player, so we're gonna stick you out here. We can trust you with the cash, but uh, you know maybe everybody else isn't super jazzed about uh, mm. you know being shoulder to shoulder with you for eight hours. Uh, Sean's a lifer. Sean works for Chick Fil A for 17 years, and then he gets his own right owner operator. Could be. Uh, I also see him burning out. And, uh, you know, starting a band, like a secular <laughs> band, like in his late 30s, like with some buddies. <laughs> they have you a know, SoundCloud. You know those secular bands that men start in their late 30s. They always make it. <laughs> yeah, but he has a SoundCloud and he's like walking around, like trying to get people to listen to his SoundCloud and like leaving, uh, you know, leaving flyers in the bathroom that, you know, that they have a virtual show coming up. And it's like, all right dude like you know the moment is past like you are what you are you're a chick-fil-a guy you don't have to go back and try to earn your stripes as being a bad boy now you're a chick-fil-a guy just embrace it it's fine wow that's impressive i mean it's just my thoughts i don't know presley under the umbrella poor girl and the, she's got the big fans. They put the big fans out there. Well, in Florida, um, well, I don't know what the Chick-fil-A's are like where you are, but we still have some that aren't open. Maybe they are now. I haven't been in a little while. They're, I mean, oh, the drive throughs are open. Yeah, it's the same here. Uh, dining rooms are not they open. They just, like, I feel like they're they're kind of, <laughs> like, why are they doing that still? It's amazing, actually. I think they're like should we be a checkers <laughs> it's really nice not to have to clean up all these after all these monsters every day <laughs> thank you will for um spending your saturday making that image for us yep for yourself really i think you i think it was for yourself too to show that your creative side and <laughs> yeah it's great uh, so a little bit of housekeeping. Have two new patrons. Despite the fact that we've been very uh, derelict. When was the last time we put that, something on Patreon? Is derelict the right word? Neg- negligent, probably. Negligence, probably the right yeah. word. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So we should probably put something on Patreon here. Hmm. Um, Maybe we'll, what you we'll... just edited out. <laughs> Just a random rant about DoorDash. Uh, fascinating content. Thank you to Noah, and thank you to our OG intern, Cobra Kai, signing up to support us yes. on Patreon for the just the tip level. <laughs> just the tip jar. Just the tip jar. Is that one of uh, my, my greatest contributions to this podcast? It's, it's not even close. You've had so many. Not even close. <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you to Noah and Kai. You once held up a letter board 
that had the phrase (laughs) (laughs) the inappropriate sermon titles i think that is peak it was it's pretty incredible how did i come Uh, up with those (laughs) uh because you're 12 years old that's how (laughs) oh man Put it in the yeah. show notes what episode that was. You got to go back and figure it out. <laughs> so we can go listen. It's at the very beginning of whatever episode it is. Yeah, and I won't spoil it, but your your sermon, your, inappro- your inappropriate sermon was about Daniel and the lion's den. Yes. So we'll just leave it at that. Gosh, that was so good. I'm just going to keep complimenting myself to build myself up yeah, that's fine. for girl talk later. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Alright, so faith based movie pitch. Let's jump right into this. Okay. We got you got inspired by a I did get away. inspired. Honestly, did you think of that movie at some point? If we went back and listened to all the we like all of the faith based movie pitch pitches, I feel like you thought of a week away. <laughs> it's really difficult because they they all run together in my head. Mm-hmm. And I actually was thinking about this. I did a, I think it was, frick, 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 frick. What was it called? It was called See No Evil, I think. It was a faith-based movie. It was a faith-based horror movie about uh-huh. um, a Christian camp for blind teens. You remember <laughs> okay. this? I only remember my Christian camp one. It might not have been Kill you. Kill them witches. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> this might not have been you. It might have been somebody else. It might have, you might not have been on that episode. But okay. uh, a nudist camp opens up next to it. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the blind campers have to chaperone all of the counselors <laughs> who can see. Because the counselors now have to put like blindfolds on so they don't look at all the, the naked people. Wow. Well, that's see, old news. Let's, hear the, no let's evil. hear the new one. <laughs> all right. Once upon a time on my blog, I did a blog post called Holy Rollers. And it was mm-hmm. about a faith-based uh, Fast and Furious movie. So we're going we're gonna to work off that. And that blog post is no more. I don't remember why I took it down, but it, it's no more. So we're going to go oh, Holy Rollers. Okay, Holy Rollers. Yeah, this has nothing to do with, with the blog post. This is just a totally, totally separate entity. Oh, okay. So it's not about Fast and Furious type thing. It, it's it's kind of the Fast and the Furious. Uh, can we can we just take a second and we're gonna look at some of the influences of Holy Rollers? A little, little bit of Fast and Furious, maybe a, a pinch of Expendables, uh, a dash of Suicide Squad. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe a little hint of a Walk to Remember, and <laughs> for you for you old heads out there. Uh, just just a, a slight dusting of the James Cagney classic Angels with Dirty Faces. Okay. I only knew half of the movies that you mentioned. but That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. So I'm going to do this a little differently. Usually I give like the, the names of the characters and then cast them at the end. Okay. To make it a little simpler, I'm just going to tell you who the actors are, who okay, the two great. main characters are. Perfect. So we can just, we don't have to worry about character names. Okay. <sighs> All right, so this is at the core of the story. This is about uh, two half brothers. Uh, okay. Justin and they Bieber. They each have half of a coin. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Okay. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> Justin Bieber plays the bad boy. Torin Wells Bieber. plays the good boy. I have to look who I have to look up that face. Okay. I know his name, but how do you spell it? Torin. T A U R. A U R. So right away when you look it up, you're gonna realize, oh wait a minute. Okay, how can these guys be brothers? Oh, well, we have a little blended family, a little interracial family going on. Not going to okay. get into the, the backstory there. Okay. They're half-brothers. Half-brothers. Okay, got it. All right, Justin Bieber is the bad boy. He is a getaway driver for a, uh, for a high-end robbery crew. Okay. Torn Wells, immensely successful megachurch pastor. Okay, perfect. Author, podcaster, uh, just evangelical thought leader. Okay. Wonder wonder boy of the evangelical hemisphere. Okay. Super famous, super powerful. All right, so opening scene, we've got the robbery gone wrong. And Justin Bieber's the getaway driver. And all the, the, his associates come running back to the car with, with the, you know, with the, the money. And they say, go, go, go. And he realizes that one of them is shot and he's bleeding out. And so now we have a little walk to remember situation here. Okay. And he refuses to take them all the way out. He drops off the guys that didn't get shot and says, just go. And he takes the wounded guy to the hospital to save his life. Okay. Where he's, prom- he's promptly arrested at that point. Okay. Okay. So then, then we got a little little remixed uh, Limp biscuit on the soundtrack. Got a little rolling, rolling, rolling coming okay. in, just fading okay. in and out. Okay. Uh, then we go to the uh, then we go to the courtroom, courtroom, and they bring <laughs> Justin Bieber in. He's all tatted up, and he's got the jumpsuit on, and shackles, and they walk him up. And the, the judge is reading his rap sheet, and it's and it's like reckless endangerment, and you know grand theft, grand theft auto, resisting arrest, mayhem, destruction of property. Reading all like all the rap sheet, and he just doesn't care. And uh, the judge says, um, you know, for blah, 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 we are remanding you to the custody of your brother. <laughs> <laughs> and then Torin Wells steps out and he's, you know, got this, like, the pastor suit on, mm-hmm. you know, just dressed to the nines. And, okay. Uh, they, ta- they take the shackles off Beaver and uh, Torin Wells says, brother, it's, it's been a long time. And Bieber just hauls off and like punches him in the face. <laughs> and the corrections officers grab Bieber by the arms and like hold him back. And Torin Wells stands up, and this is the movie trope, stands up and wipes the blood off and says, I guess not long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't actually act out the whole movie. I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the plot here. Okay. I'm uh, enjoying Tor- the acting though. No, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Maybe I'll give you another scene here in a second. Uh, plot of the movie is Torrin Wells, his his mega church with all the satellite campuses. They have a satellite campus in a fictional African country. Okay. And the country's government just collapsed and it's being in, you know, it, it's being overtaken by Islamic militants okay. and they're about to start executing Christians in the street. Okay. And that's that's the speech uh Torrin Wells gives to Justin Bieber of you know, I had to call in every favor I had because you're the only one that can do this. We have a we have a church 50 miles across the border, 
and the airspace isn't safe. We can't get anybody to fly in to get these guys out. The border is is locked. It's going to take somebody like you to go in there and drive these Christians to safety. <laughs> and then you get the, the, the Limp Biscuit kicking back in. Rolling, rolling, rolling. <laughs> And Justin Bieber, and he's got, maybe he's even got like a little teardrop tattoo like on his on his face, and okay, you know, <laughs> like killed someone. <laughs> but you know, you, you kind of you little limp, you know, you're not quite sure. This, you know, is he all the way bad? Is he, you know got a heart of gold? You know, buried under all the the pain, and uh, you know, then then there's the the movie trope of, you know, if I do this. And Tormel's is like, oh, you're going to do this because you're going to go back to jail. If, And Beaver says, if I do this, <laughs> we do this my way with my crew. And then 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 you get like the, you know, he's got to get all his like uh, his criminal accomplices with him. And then you've got like the rogues gallery and you've got the like the the, the, the comedic relief guys in, in the group. And then you've got like the. Uh, the the hot girl that's like tough as nails uh even though she's like 90 pounds <laughs> <laughs> you've got her and you've got the uh you got the guy with the facial scar and you you're not sure if like he's actually all the way bad you know is he gonna double cross everybody at some point so you, and then justin bieber turns to torn wells and says oh one more thing we're gonna need some cars some fast cars <laughs> And you got a montage of like uh Tormel's like pulling out this like church corporate like credit card that's like <laughs> there's like a lens flare uh, with the camera and it's like unlocking like all the dealerships in the city like they just go right in and like oh you Tormel oh yes, right right here right here and they you let him just purchase any car he wants to with that card okay and um is he purchasing anyway. these cars in America yeah uh, it yeah i think so no actually he can't because there's well they only have 36 hours to get these christians out okay so i don't know maybe he buys them in africa like in, out in the, in the, the unnamed the, or the fictional country. no there's like safe countries all around it it's just okay, the, the fictional okay. country is the one so that's he, breaking down he bought them in a safe okay got it and once they get the christians across the border everything's safe right they just got to get them over the border but the border is closed okay um and there's the militants have like surface to air missiles. This is way too much detail. They have surface to air <laughs> missiles, so like they can't just take choppers over because no, everybody's afraid of getting shot down. <laughs> I appreciate you you uh, knowing that you should like <laughs> hold back a little bit, but it's fine. You don't need to. This is too much detail, but let me continue. Well, I mean, okay. So, and then we got maybe a little inception here too. Like a little inception move here where they're in the staging country where they're about to go over the border and Torrin Wells mm-hmm. is there and they're loading up the team, you know, with all these uh like tricked out uh Humvees and <laughs> <laughs> bulletproof windows, you know, and the whole nine yards. And uh, all of a sudden Torrin Wells is like putting on a flag jacket and Justin Bieber is like, What are you doing? And he's like, Oh, I'm not turning my investment loose. I'm coming along for the ride. <laughs> so Torrent Wells is, is like going in too. Uh, and so everything is, is going fine. They're, they're going in. They're having a lot of PG uh, 
chases, like where they're getting chased <laughs> by the militants. Okay. And, and nobody's actually dying, but there's a lot of like PG-rated crashes. At one point, they're definitely going through like an outdoor fruit market, and there's some like militants on motorcycles, and they crash into like a fruit cart, and like fruit goes everywhere. Yes. Um, but they're they're getting the Christians like ferried out of the country, and they're okay. they're, they're going back for the one last, uh, you know, the, the the one last trip in, and Casey something goes wrong okay. <laughs> they, they they miscount and they don't have enough seats for everybody okay. and there's 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 one too many and it's this this old lady she's like 100 years old and justin bieber's like just leave her she's already dead and torn wells like last chopper in saigon style gives up his seat like on on the on the armored humvee for this old lady and torn wells stays behind Okay. And Justin Bieber is like, I'll come back for you. Just hide. But as they're driving off, like he sees the militants come in and he knows Tornwells is captured. So now they get back into the staging country and all of his like criminal gang is like, dude, you're free. We can go. Like your brother like is, is gone. Like we can just disappear. So now Justin Bieber's got like a little crisis of conscience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do I just melt into Africa and like, you know, nobody will ever find me? Or do I go back in for my brother? Hey, Casey, what do you think he does? I think he goes back in. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Or is that the sequel? Oh, Casey, he's going back in. (laughs) He's a holy roller. And they definitely have Holy Roller with like a like a flaming skull decal yeah. like on the side of one of the Humvees. Absolutely. As they're going in. Some and, uh, like crazy looking angel with fire wings. Yeah. <laughs> and uh let's see. Even though like nobody's getting killed, like they still have some guns and like Justin Bieber, like they have this the scene from Alien where aliens where like Ripley is like duct taping the flamethrower to the mm-hmm. to the pulse mm-hmm. rifle. I actually and, uh, know that because I watched that movie. And Justin Bieber's like getting ready to go back in by himself. And then it, it's the Empire Strikes Back scene where they're trying to stop Han Solo from going out to look for, for Luke. Uh-huh, and it's like, uh-huh. I, I know like, that one You'll too. never make it. You'll never make it. Your, your Tauntaun will freeze before you get to the first marker. <laughs> and Justin Bieber's just getting ready to like drive his Humvee into the sunset, like going back in for his brother. And then he can't say the line, then I'll see you in hell. But he says something similar. Oh, yeah. He can't say that on a pure yeah. flicks movie. Yeah. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah. What's and then maybe. Origins? Okay. Keep going. Sorry. Go no, ahead. it's okay. I, I'm, I'm just about done. But I was just going to say. And then maybe there's. Then you got like a breakdown. Like maybe some of his uh, criminal gang uh, just decides to melt into Africa uh-huh. and just disappear. But maybe like one or two of them go with them. Okay. Maybe there's like a change that. of heart. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely there's definitely like you know, a like sheep an, and the goats. Yeah, there's definitely an associate pastor who's like a like an older guy who's like a stick in the mud that was uh-huh. there like overseeing everything, <laughs> and like he tries to stop Justin Bieber from going back in. And you, yes. you wonder like maybe the associate pastor's got designs on becoming like the the lead pastor because <laughs> if Torrin Wells is dead now, but, uh, so I don't know like. That's that's the that's the framework of Holy Rollers. That's and it, only the framework. That's just the framework. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the skeleton. 
origin story is. I feel like their origin story is that they were, they used to, like, um, be criminals together. And then Torrin Wells got arrested and reformed. It's, I've got the origin story. Oh, okay, you got it. It's, it's the, um, it's the origin story of Angels with Dirty Faces. It's that they, they were running together. They used to Uh run together back in the day. And, they were being chased and one of them tripped and fell. Uh-huh. Justin Bieber tripped and fell and Torn Torn Wells got over the chain link fence and ran away. Okay. Okay, so Justin Bieber got arrested but he stayed in the crime life and Torn Wells got saved. And that fuels Torn Wells's immense lifelong guilt of I left my brother there. Oh, and now now Justin Bieber has to decide, am I going to leave my brother? Yes, wow. because Make symbolism. it a series. This is too much for a movie. But HBO that's why, Max. That's why Torn Wells wants, like, that's why Torn Wells wants to try to save Justin Bieber, because he feels so guilty because he couldn't save right. him before. Right. Hmm. And then it gets flipped. Incredible. <laughs> I don't know if there's a love story in this. I don't know no, if there is. No, there's not. Today, tonight at dinner... My nine-year-old was like, okay, we're going to go around the table. What does every movie have to have? And she was saying that every movie has to have romance. <laughs> we're like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, I think this movie is fine without a love story. I don't, I don't know. Is, uh, is Torrin Wells... The love story is their brotherhood. Like how in Frozen, the real love story is the sisterhood. You know? Yeah, I guess if you were gonna shoehorn one in, um, Torin Wells is single, and maybe the the tough as nails hot girl in the crew, <laughs> maybe maybe they exchange some wistful glances at each other. Okay, <laughs> but I mean he wouldn't do that because that'd be missionary dating. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's maybe it's you get a fun. pass if you're on another continent. Missionary <laughs> date. <laughs> oh goodness I like that I would watch that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's crazy because I I went into this thinking like yeah I don't really I don't really have a whole lot of detail with this but apparently I did you absolutely did that was like a full 10 minutes of a skeleton (laughs) You could have pitched that to the to the uh, boardroom, just like that. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to see Tim Tebow involved with this somehow. Who could, he's the could he be the uptight um, associate pastor, or is he too attractive for that role? No, he's got to he's got to get the guns out. Like he's got to be able to punch something in this movie. He's the contact. He's like the car the contact in in on the African continent of like getting all the vehicles together that they need so he's in like his um like a body shop you know <laughs> doing this on a <laughs> i can't say doing this like polishing a car waxing a car that's what it's called <laughs> okay in a in a wife beater <laughs> okay uh, that could work yeah <laughs> Kevin Kevin Sorbo is definitely the um, the associate pastor that you're kind of wondering like you know is there a little 
palace intrigue here? Is this a little subterfuge that, hmm. you know, is he not all the way invested in trying to get Torrin Wells rescued? This is hmm. left ambiguous. <laughs> That's in Holy Rollers Part 2. Yeah, it, it sets it sets up for you could take the sequel any which way you wanted to go. Too holy, too roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third one, the the S at the end is just a three. <laughs> yes. Good. Nailed oh, it. Holy roll. No, it'd be holy rollers. The S is a three. Uh, colon, Trinity. <laughs> wonderful i love it there you go faith-based movie pitch <laughs> oh let's make a hard left <laughs> <laughs> into girl talk same music because my hard drive is dead i had theme music for like three segments <laughs> yeah, it's really great theme music too i miss it well, can't you get it again? Well, here's the thing. I can get it again, but I won't be able to get it. Do you have to pay for it? No, no, no. I mean, I can look it up. I don't remember exactly where I got it from. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but every time I go to get new music, it just makes me sad because I think about everything I lost on that hard drive. Oh, so and you I just can't like, get ah, this music because you don't want to feel your feelings? <laughs> Maybe you need to listen. Has, gr- has Girl Talk, talk already started? Like, am I... <laughs> Am I first on the chopping block here? <laughs> Nobody's on the chopping block. Come on. <laughs> okay. You you put out the tweet last night. And I got five emails. So, yeah. Buckle up. I say I, I save the lighter ones for last this time because... I feel. I think I'll feel better <laughs> if I end on something lighter. <laughs> okay, so first one is from Canada Laura, and she says, "Hey Casey, I've got a parenting question for you. How do you talk to a two-year-old about God? How do you explain who and what God is? We say prayers every night, but I'd like to introduce God in more ways that are meaningful to my son, so he knows why we are praying. And I don't want God to seem scary." I know some people who found the idea of God always being there and being all-seeing creepy as kids, and it made them feel pressure to always be perfect. What did you and Danny do? Thank you. I appreciate you in the segment. Thank you, Laura. Just a light theological question that people have been grappling with for centuries. How do you explain who and what God is? (laughs) I'm only making that joke because... Because uh, it's Laura. If it was somebody that I hadn't really interacted with a lot, I wouldn't. But <laughs> just, I saw this, I was like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, all right. So I can totally relate to this fear of like wanting to talk to your kids about God, but not wanting them to get a picture, maybe the picture of God that you had as a kid. Um, which can seem like scary or like you have to be perfect. And I think that um, that fear just comes from what 
what is the picture of God that was presented? Not necessarily that the attribute of being all-knowing or all-seeing is scary, but if, like, God is all-knowing and all-seeing and is ready to smite you, then that's scary. So I think if God is presented as loving and caring for us and sending a son for us, then it kind of takes some of that away. And I do think some parents have, like, used God, like, weaponized God to get their kids to behave. Like, <laughs> like, like Elf on a Shelf? Right, yeah. Like, God is watching you, you know. If you, like, you tell your kid not to take any candy and or whatever, God is watching you, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> so... I think it's so super wise to be intentional about like thinking seriously about this because really at this age two and three and you know for several years basically you could tell young kids anything and they're gonna believe you so it's a huge responsibility so for us um, instead of trying to come up with uh, ways (laughs) on our own to talk about God to kids that age we've just used what other people have already come up with because there's people way smarter than us who have made some beautiful things so we've used the jesus storybook bible for bible reading with little kids and it had i think it's just it has such a beautiful way of talking about god and jesus and sin etc from the standpoint of god's love for us and it has this phrase that sticks with kids which is um describing god's love as never ending never giving up unbreaking always and forever love and my kids remember like they they know that line they every time you know i start to say it they'll say it with me which is great but honestly for two years old that might like jesus storybook bible might still be like the stories might be a little bit long still so Sally Lloyd-Jones, who did the Jesus Storybook Bible, has a baby's hug a Bible, which is just like, it's very poetic, short. You okay? <laughs> I'm trying, trying to mute my cough. <laughs> okay. Um, it's very poetic, short. There's like, I think maybe 10 Bible stories in it. Um, so it's just like introducing bible stories to your kids um because for little kids you're not gonna sit down with them and like this is who god is this is this is what god is like you introduce they they love stories and they love singing and for that hug a bible uh there's a christian group called rain for roots and they did, their first album was called Big Stories for Little Ones. And every song goes with one of the stories in the Hug a Bible. And it's great. I love it. I, I love that music. Some kids, like some Christian music geared towards kids is genuinely awful. And you never <laughs> want to hear it. But this this one, Rain for Roots is really good. Um, I know we haven't personally... Do you have you guys listened to Slugs and Bugs? Uh, I'm not certain. I don't okay. think so. We haven't personally used that, but I do have a lot of friends who like Slugs and Bugs also, which is like 
music for kids about the Bible and God and Jesus. And, um, and then I've been seeing, uh, so before she passed away, Rachel Held Evans was writing a book called What is God Like for Kids? And I've been seeing like pages of, uh, pages of it here and there on social media because it comes out next week and it looks, it looks really nice. It looks really lovely. So I plan on looking into that for George. Um, I think, th I think it's pretty, it's probably geared towards like maybe ages four to 10 or so. So, but even just using stuff like that, I think is, um, is just a great way to start to talk about God to your kids using the Bible, um, using what other people have already made because people that are already experts in how to explain things to little kids, yeah, just use their, <laughs> use their art and wisdom that they've already made. So yeah, thanks for sending that question, Laura. Okay, next, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Laura from Ohio sent us a question also me she says this is another parenting thing Casey as the mother of girls who are older than my girls please give me your advice you can weigh in on this too because you also have girls that are a couple that are older than this uh, she says my six year old is a self starter with excellent leadership skills in other words she does what she wants and only listens to her parents the first time if it's something she wanted to do anyway. How do we get her to stop fighting us about every little thing without destroying the qualities that will one day make her an awesome CEO? When I first read this, I was like, she's six years old. She's only going to get more powerful. <laughs> um, I, Laura, I love the way that you framed her personality um, in such a positive light because I think sometimes when girls are are like exhibiting these skills early on they just get called bossy or uh, whatever um, so I just love that you've, you're already thinking of these qualities as something that's going to serve her really well someday and I've noticed with my kids a lot of the, some of the, no, a lot of the stuff that they do that annoys me. <laughs> I know that eventually it's going to be an amazing, like when, when it can be cultivated and matured, it's going to be an amazing thing in them. So I think that I just want to encourage you and say that I think the fact that you're even mindful of your desire to nurture those qualities within her probably means that you're not going to destroy them so <laughs> I don't I understand like that concern but I think the fact that you're paying attention is really good um, so what I would say something I have to do for myself with and we have to do or we try to do is like ask is the and I'm not, I don't, I don't know anything about this and like what's going on in your family with this, but I have to say, is this actually a problem that's like causing a disruption or is this thing that this child's doing just really getting on my nerves, <laughs> you know, because sometimes kids do things that are triggering for us as parents in ways that 
it's not necessarily that they're causing any real problems. It's just that we don't like it. So I think that's something to think about. But sh I've I've seen a lot of Laura's uh, Instagram about her daughter and things that she's done in their family. And she seems like a super smart girl. And so I think I would pick like a neutral time to have a conversation with her. Uh, and I would just affirm these amazing uh, character qualities that God gave to her. This is something like these kinds of things that you see in kids, you know that that like that's just in them. God gave that to them. So I would just affirm those things in her, but then talk about your desire for her to listen, um, uh, listen better, even when it's something she doesn't want to do or, um, you know, obey the first time or whatever your language is in your family. Every family is different on, you know, what they expect as far as how quickly kids obey and all that. Um, but just talk to her about the way that God made her, but the fact that you're still the parent and she still has to do things that you ask her to do, even if it's not exactly what she wants. And really that's a life skill, right? We, that's something that kids struggle with. Anyways, it's a life skill, right? We all like, as we grow, that's something kids really struggle with is realizing how many things they have to do that they don't want to do. And so in, and then in that conversation, just maybe lay out some consequences for this specific issue that you're having with her listening when she doesn't want to do something. It's really hard in the moment, like when you've already told her three times or four times to do something and she's fighting back or to come up with a plan. So I think a new, like if some, if there is like an ongoing problem with a kid and they're able to sit down and have a conversation about it, a neutral time is definitely the best. <laughs> Otherwise you're just screaming at each other and that doesn't work for anybody. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have, um, none of my girls have really done this, but I have a niece who's very, she, she is kind of like this. Excellent leadership skills. <laughs> what about you? I have one that is similar to this. And one thing that really helps us, and I'm not sure how well this translates to every kid because every kid is different, but you know, there is overlap of what it sounds like Laura's talking about is physical activity. Mm. Uh, we call it like Kendra and I, when we're talking, we, we call it, we call it steam. That mm. It's just sort of like the pressure <laughs> just builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up inside of a kid. Yeah. And you know, when one of them is kind of acting crazy, it's like somebody, I, that, that one needs to let off some steam. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's when we try to work some physical activity in, um, mm. whether, you know, it be sports or exercise or something like that, or just going outside and going for a hike. But Right. Um, I, you know, just as a dad, I, I have noticed that there is a correlation between that the daughter I'm thinking of that is similar to, to Laura's daughter um, of like when she kind of gets sideways is like when she needs some 
she needs some physical exercise like, mm. and the you know the physiological we don't have to we don't have to go into that if it's the benefits of exercise i mean obviously it's good for anybody but um that's that's been a, a key for us mm. of just you know trying to keep up with that because you know after the exercise it's like so much better so much different mm-hmm. yeah um, so much more relaxed yeah yeah so maybe when thing if things are getting heated and there's something that they want her to do and she's refusing it's like hey let's go for a walk for five minutes and then we can come back to this you know something like that mm-hmm. okay all right all right next question is from our friend bethany <laughs> she said hi casey it's your friend bethany i don't know if she wants me to read the whole thing i'm just gonna read the whole <laughs> thing she didn't say to leave anything out so i'm currently getting tipsy alone in my apartment on a friday night i'm gonna turn 28 this summer which means i'm nearing 30 which means i'm freaking out about my future I'm typically a, quote, don't worry about the future type person, but sometimes I'm convinced I'm going to die alone and poor, having not invested in stocks or whatever. Do you have any advice for balancing societal pressures of what you're, quote, supposed to achieve by a certain age and working towards goals that I actually do want? Any advice on not dying alone? All caps, haha, just keeping it light for this comedy podcast. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Bethany. You really did keep it so light. (laughs) Oh, I just, yeah, thanks for sending this question and and trusting (laughs) me with this, uh, sharing some things. Uh, I, I don't know if I have really any advice about how to balance societal pressures except to just say you have to actively and purposefully ignore them if they don't line up with what you desire for yourself. So sometimes those things do line up, right? So if you want to eventually be a homeowner, you know, that's something that society expects of you, but it could also be something that you desire for yourself someday. But also I think that a lot of the pressures, like the pressures that I've felt in the past, for example, owning a home, buying a house, I felt like for a long time, like we were so behind, you know, cause we were married, what, 13 years when we bought our first house. And, uh, I, so then we bought it and I was kind of like, okay, now what? <laughs> I actually don't feel like I've arrived. I basically just feel like, you know, there's not going to be a a landlord that decides they want to move back in the house that I'm renting from them. So there's a lot about societal pressures that I, I feel like I, I thought once I got to this point, I would feel better. But then it's kind of empty, you know? Um, so freaking out about the future. First, I want to say I think it's completely valid especially right now, because I feel like time, the general times are genuinely crazy. Like 2020 really rocked like some of our senses of certainty, like some things that we felt like we could depend on. Are you saying they were unprecedented? 
They were. <laughs> I feel like 2020 was an unprecedented year. Yes. <laughs> I was trying not to say that. <laughs> Too bad. So I think that big dates bring this out a lot in people, right? It's like 25th birthday, 30th, 35th, 40th. And it's... I think it's a combination of factors. One, just getting older and you're like, the older you get, <laughs> the more you're facing your mortality. Unless you're really good about constantly thinking about your mortality, which most people aren't. Um, but I think more importantly, these like milestones for a lot of people, it it's like facing the difference of what like we expected our life to look like by certain points and versus what it actually does look like. And so it's kind of like this grief that we have to deal with of, well, this is where I wanted to be, but this is where I actually am. And for me, like fear and anger and grief kind of all get mixed all together. And I have to be really intentional about like, what am I actually afraid of? is do I am I afraid or do I need to sit and be sad you know do am I do I need to allow myself to be sad over something that was lost or something that I might never have um so I discovered so this past week I had I had to make a decision I was dealing with making a decision about our kids school and I was really struggling and I came across I'm sure everybody, lots of people know this person, Emily Freeman on Instagram. Um, she has a book called The Next Right Thing that's pretty, been pretty popular. But she has this, you can go to her, it's Emily P. Freeman. She has this one um, post and the, the first slide just says, for the one who doesn't know yet. And... Some One of them, one of the slides specifically said, just because you don't yet doesn't mean you won't ever know. Or doesn't mean you won't know ever. Whatever, same thing. And it was so helpful because like when you're facing a, like getting older and feeling like you should have more together or you should be at a different spot and you're just... Of course, we never know the future, right? We've never, we've never known it. <laughs> it's not a new thing to not know what's in the future, but you feel the weight of it more as you get to these times. Um, so that really spoke to me. And it also said, may you find peace in God's presence, even when you can't see the plan. May you find clarity in doing your next right thing, even if it looks different than your last right thing. For now, look for life in hidden places and don't be afraid to be a beginner. So, yeah, I think just um, ask yourself maybe is like the focus on societal expectations hindering you from working toward what you want? So if in your mind you have you have what you want. But then all this, this cloud above you is like, here's where everybody thinks I should be right now. It's hard to stay focused on the goals that you've set yourself, which it sounds like you know what they are, 
based on your email, like, you know, working towards goals that I actually do want. So yeah, I think sometimes it's so easy to forget to name what matters to us because everyone around us is naming what they think should matter to us. And then we lose our focus and feel confused about where we should be. And then my last thing before I turn it over to Matthew <laughs> is that my one of my the most comforting things when I am overwhelmed with life, like what life is supposed to look like, am I making the right choices in my life, is Ecclesiastes. Read Ecclesiastes. Great it's book. Just, Great book. It's just so good. And it just brings me so much comfort. So... And advice on not dying alone is turning that over to Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, actually, I, I know you didn't ask this to me, but you said something, uh, Bethany, about uh, just the fear of, uh, how did she say it? The fear of dying alone? Yeah. I, or not having invested in stocks. Yeah. You know, because both of us have multi-million dollar stock well, No, but like the subtext <laughs> there is that... She didn't say this, but it almost sounded like the subtext was that if she was with somebody or if her situation was different, maybe she wouldn't have that fear. Mm. And I don't know, this is going to sound like a buzzkill. I actually mean it as encouragement. I don't think those fears go away. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I, I mean, to be honest, like I, st I still have that fear of dying alone and I'm married mm -hmm. and have three children. Like I still can play out weird fantasies in my head of like, you know, what happens if you know, I don't know. Like, what happens if I go crazy and Kendra leaves mm -hmm. me and my kids don't like me anymore and I'm mm. going to, you know, die poor and alone? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like, I, f I mean, I feel like that's, that's, that's a good thing to, to, to feel. I mean, that's, that's a human thing. Like, I'd, be, I'd be worried about you if you didn't feel that way mm. or at least think about those things, you know? Right. But if you're thinking that, well, so, like, that the societal expectation of you being with someone then it, that's that thing where like it paints this uh, this this inaccurate picture of what is on the other side of those of those markers right so we think like okay once i get to here then my life will look like this or i'll feel like this or once i get to here and it that's most of the time it's not accurate and when you get there, like you'll never be, you'll you'll never be satisfied. I mean, mm -hmm. that's human nature. Uh, easy for me to say, you know. But I mean, it's the truth. I mean, we, you and I joke about this too. Of like when we were single, we wanted to be with somebody, and now that we have families, it's like, can I just have some peace and quiet? <laughs> can I be getting tipsy alone on a Friday night, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, yeah. You know how to meet somebody. Um, you know how to not die alone? Uh, tough to say because, you know, I don't know you terribly well. Uh, you know, I mean, I know you a little bit, but just um, like as far as, you know, where you make yourself available and, and where you meet people and, and interact with people, that that's tough to say. I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but from what I do know about you is, is that you're, you're pretty special. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Um, I think you're... 
I think you're very smart and you're, you're very pretty and you think and feel and care very deeply about things. And, um, you know, you're just a very special person. Yeah, I agree. And it's really hard to think about like trying to, if, if she, if she was serious about trying to meet someone right now, because everybody is so out of practice on like how to be around people. Yeah. It's like, how do I, uh, okay, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I mean, maybe there's things that, you know, you could change, but I think those are, those things are, you know, just like the nuts and bolts of, you know, where am I going and who am I talking right. to? I don't know that it's anything about you necessarily that means changing. I, you know what I mean? I, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, w- I wouldn't say that if, you know, this is this is not me just trying to pump up one of my girlfriends in the in the ladies' room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're perfect. <laughs> That's what women do. I, don't, I never understood that. Guys don't do that. Guys will guys will just be like, uh, you need to either hit the weights or get some money because <laughs> this this ain't working. Uh, okay, well, if what Matthew said doesn't help you i'll just say just hit the waist or get some money (laughs) and smell good (laughs) i I meant that's what guys will say to each other i know i know (laughs) but you also said what girl you don't understand what girls do so i just say i'll just take your take your thing (laughs) oh man okay this is an anonymous question hi casey awkward question here i'm engaged to be married and i've seen those sex education for christian married couples books and i like the idea of biblical sex positive sex ed but none of them seem to be written in this millennia have you seen these before do you think they are worthwhile do you have any marriage books sex ed or not that you would recommend fascinating question okay first of all old sex ed books probably are fine because i don't think (laughs) sex has really changed as far as i know in my my 18 years of experience i mean the basics are still the same and i think they they will stay the same okay so yes do i have thoughts and books for you so i Uh, just this year um i read a book called the great sex rescue and i talked about it on this podcast actually um it's by a lady named sheila gregoire and if you've absorbed it's kind of the the framing of the book and the title of the book really makes it seem like it's for people who are currently married and struggling but it's for anybody. Um, so I would say if you've absorbed any of the messages within Christianity about sex and marriage, then this is a helpful book. But the amazing thing about this book is that they graded the most popular Christian marriage books that talk about sex. So they took... I don't know however many books they broke 
they had three categories, infidelity and lust, pleasure and libido, and mutuality. And they had four questions each, and each, so then the, the books got a grade for each question. So, like, let me read one of the questions just to try and, I'm trying to find one that's, like, not... Oh, jeez. I should have marked this off beforehand. Okay, so, like, in the mutuality section, one of the questions is, does the book explain that sex has many purposes, including intimacy, closeness, fun, and physical pleasure for both, or does it portray sex as being primarily about fulfilling his physical needs? So it goes through and it graded all these books, and then, based on their grade, they are listed as helpful, neutral, or harmful. Okay? boring Matthew to tears over there. <laughs> um, so, for the helpful books, I haven't read any of these. Well, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by John Gottman is not... That was their secular uh, control. So, but that was their... That was number one. The Gift of Sex by Clifford and Joyce Pinner. I think that's probably a really old book. It sounds like a really old book. Uh, hold on. I have my Kindle open right now. Boundaries and Marriage by Henry Pinner? Cloud. Pinner is the last name? <laughs> yeah. Okay. P-E-N-N-E-R. Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas and Intimate Issues by... Linda, Dillo, and Lorraine Pintus. And then Neutral Books, The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy and Kathy Keller, and Intended for Pleasure by Ed and Gay Wheat. And then there's a whole list of harmful books. So I'm not going to read those because just, you know, pick from the seven that I just read. <laughs> don't, don't even worry about the harmful ones. Um, anyways, the the Great Sex Rescue is an amazing book. It lays out a lot of the of the problems with the way that Christians have talked about sex for a long time. And but Sheila also has some other books that she wrote before this and she didn't include those books in her little grading thing just cuz it would be like a conflict of interest or whatever. Um so yeah, I have read The Meaning of Marriage by Timothy and Kathy Keller, Tim Keller, and I, that was a really good book, so, but I haven't read a lot of other marriage books, sorry to say. I'm winging it over here. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, and definitely read something. I would say there's, based on just, yeah, Choose from some of that stuff and get something and read it together or separately and then talk about it in a well-lit coffee shop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Last question. Let's say the fun one for me for last. Casey, I admit I'm a guy and not a girl, but I do have... Some Sarah Groves questions if you'd like to answer them. What are, your, what are your thoughts on her 2011 album, Invisible Empires? It's one of my favorite albums of all time, but doesn't seem to get as much recognition as some of her other records. IMO. 
My favorite tracks are Right Now, Obsolete, I'll Wait, and Finite, in that order, but I honestly love all of them. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Much love to you, Matthew, and all the FSBT crew. I guess that would include our spouses for <laughs> keeping the kids out of our hair for this 90 minutes. <laughs> that was from Mark. Okay, first of all, if I'd like to answer these questions... <laughs> I'm going to start a separate podcast just to answer this email. <laughs> okay, so Invisible Empires is probably my second favorite Sarah Groves album. It has a really special place in my heart. So, every... Nobody asked for all this information, but... Every Sarah Groves album has, like, a time period of my life that it goes with. So, like, Conversations is, like, my freshman year of college and finding my way in that time and anyways in 2011 is when we found out that my brother was an addict and this album came out around that time and we drove him to rehab in South Florida and my, my sister and I drove him drove home but like that day was very I don't know I, I couldn't cry. I was like, just like, get him there safely. And so, and I was also, I was pregnant. Gosh, wow. And so when I got home that night, I put my headphones on and played this album and cried through the whole thing and got all my tears out. So, and the first song, Miracle, is especially really just... A beautiful just beautiful words about being carried and wow okay so the song <laughs> the song that he picked I loved the song finite I'm surprised that um, that he picked this as one of his favorites because the very first line is I'm not every woman it's not all in me so she's playing off that um, I think it's a Tina Turner song. I'm every woman. Mm -hmm. It's only me. Uh, I listen to that a lot. I listen to that song a lot. Uh, the song Obsolete. You know, if you would become a Sarah Groves fan, this segment would be so much more exciting for you. <laughs> <laughs> the song Obsolete. I, I don't know is... if I would be allowed to talk even then because I wouldn't be. I wouldn't approach hey, the fandom what? that you have. The song Obsolete is, feels so much more relevant to me now than it did when I was the, the 10 years ago that it came out because it's all about, like, she wrote it about, like, kind of figuring out how to navigate in online spaces, which, of course, I felt totally on top of when I was 27. But now that I'm 37, I feel like, is this actually what I want <laughs> with my time and my life? And then if I'm not in these spaces, am I going to be like, can I, can I keep up, you know, with everything that's going on? And anyways, uh, there's a song, the other song, he says, I'll wait. This is not an abstinence song, even though it's called I'll wait. This actually, Bethany, is a perfect song to go with what you sent. And it's not about, like, waiting for a, a spouse or anything. It's just about, like, 
sitting with the unknown and not trying to to build up your own life on your own in your own power first of all (laughs) any song can be an abstinent song if you listen to it while taking a cold shower Thank you for letting me share. <laughs> okay. That can be a segment on our next episode. <laughs> Songs to take a cold shower to. <laughs> okay, so my other favorites, besides all the ones that he said. Oh, the song Right Now. That's his first number one song, favorite song in the album. It's 47 seconds long. And... She decided to include it. I, I know all these stats from going to her concerts, and then she talks about it, and I remember it. So she she decided to include it as is. It's so perfect because it's this incomplete song, but it talks about how she has everything that she needs to love and be present for the people in front of her. It's just, wow. Okay, so my other favorites, Miracle, which I already said, which almost did not get included on the album. Can you imagine how many Sarah Grove songs are on the cutting room floor? Can you? I <laughs> shudder. Uh, open my hands. This is like. Open my hands was the song was one of my anthems when we were, uh, when we found out we were pregnant with George and we were like we need to settle somewhere and we needed to, we we wanted to go ahead and buy a house and it was a. It was a trying time. And then the song Mystery uh, is an all-timer for me. I I put that one on a lot while I'm driving around alone and sing it. <laughs> I know I say that about pretty much every song of hers, but <laughs> there are some that are more special than others. <laughs> Anyways, Mark, yeah. Invisible em- I also think Invisible Empires was maybe one of the first ones she did independently. Like, she got out from under, like, labels and all that and just went for it. Very interesting that when Mark <laughs> asks a question, you can talk for 15 minutes about it, but when I ask a simple question of who's the better girlfriend, Avery or Presley... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't answer that. Presley's a better girlfriend. Thank you. Thank you. I, I knew you thought that in the moment. You just didn't want to say it. <laughs> Anyways. I think... Thank you to everybody who sent questions. And anytime you want to send a question for Girl Talk... The email address is fsbtkc at gmail.com. And we can talk about whatever. I am not an expert on anything. (laughs) But I like to think about the things that people send and uh, share stuff that's helped me and 